Welcome to a brand new Five Heart podcast and technically live show. I say technically because we're live right now. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of technically about it. I'm your host, Greg Mahochko. Joining me as always, our founder, our fearless leader, one damn handsome example specimen of a man, John Damn Johnston. Hello, John. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? I'm great. That's fine. Everything's great. Can, can we just can we just recap your events of Saturday? Okay. All right. So for those of you who don't know, we talked about it for a few weeks here on the show, and and uh, and hopefully some of you made it over to uh, the website, the link that we provided uh, the last month or so. Uh, but John participated in a polar plunge, not just any polar plunge, uh, for the benefit of the Minnesota Special Olympics and in four degree weather, John. Yes, it my was goodness, cold. my it was goodness. Very cold. It was I'm very proud cold. of you. Are you? I'm very proud of you. It's, um, <laughs> I always, the, the notion of a polar plunge ha- has intrigued me for years, uh, but I've not ever participated because I hate being cold. Um, so I, I I'm proud of you for a lot of reasons, uh, but I know you did it. You I look I I watched the your recap video that you shared with the the world on Sunday, uh, talking about the reasons why uh, you wanted to uh, participate in this particular event, and and I'll I'll uh, provide the the cliff notes or the abridged version. At uh, uh, what you wanted to do is you wanted to help, you know, show support for uh, the the Minnesota Special Olympics and, and raise some funds there and also for um, co-workers that, that were there. And as you describe in the video, and we've talked here, uh, one of your Polar Plunge teammates was the guy who was holding you when you died. Uh, he was holding me? It, well, in that maybe I maybe I over dramatized it, uh, but but also because being a, a heart attack survivor that you are, uh, and and God bless, we're we're thrilled that you are a heart attack survivor. Um, you just want to see if you could do it, and and you got the yeah. thumbs up from your uh, cardiologist, maybe not so much your neurologist, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so uh, you did it, and it, it looked unbearably cold <laughs> it was it, i mean it was four degrees and you're coming out of the water it was freezing. wade Farr says is this a rewind or replay we tend to recap stuff because so, greg didn't get in on the monday night thing and he didn't talk to me yet about my polar plunge yeah i was sorry, gonna say wade. something about it, but it was different than monday night doggone it now see that's what happens when you have an old brain it just ideas come they just fly around like butterflies and then they're gone <sighs> Roger, uh, we keep going back to that. Colder than an onside kick. <laughs> uh, Beetle B says, it's almost spring in Lincoln, 38 and sunny. And, and John, you are a trooper. You know, have you, here's something new for you, Wade. I am guessing that most of you have never heard of a person called Wim Hof. W-I-M-H-O-F. And Wim Hof is a guy who has set records for i think he set like a world record for running a half marathon in nothing but his underwear above the arctic (laughs) Arctic circle that's the key there 
He is a guy who's all about ice. He's all about cold. He sets a lot of records for cold weather tolerance. And he talks about taking cold showers and stuff. And, and I do that now. I've did, been doing it for about two, three years, uh, mostly because my, you know, listen, my circulation isn't what it, it should be. I get very cold in winter and it's miserable. And I wanted a way to tolerate this more. And that has helped. And there, you know, when I put that video on a lot of heart attack survivor groups that I'm in, a lot of people replied with, you know, how it was part of their culture to do the sauna and then jump mm. in the frozen lake thing. And it was, it was interesting, the differentiating, the different uh, viewpoints of people hating the cold and then other people going, oh, my God, you know, this is part of th something we do all the time. So, um <laughs> Fred says that he heard the Flying Salami Brothers wrestled a lot in Wim Hof. Uh, and uh, he'd also uh, had made a comment about, uh, he said, is it safe to say, John, you were covered in frost? Oh, God. When you got out of the water, the worm has turned, no pun intended. Um, Blaine has, of course, we know uh, and appreciate Blaine uh, joining us from uh, Japan. He says, John, you may be interested in, uh, I'm hoping I pronounce this right, misogi, uh, a Shinto purification ritual. It can be performed in a river, ocean, or under a waterfall, and he finds it useful. I will look that up, Blaine. Thank you. Um, let's see. 17-year-old Wade was taking cold showers because he didn't have gas. Um, probably taking cold showers for other reasons as well for a 17-year-old. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Linda provided an update. Uh, it is her son, I'm trying to remember if I, her son's girlfriend and the daughter, girlfriend's daughter, are doing the 777 challenge. And quick update here, the took second in the ladies in uh, AA, Sun took third in AA, minus 27 degrees Celsius, not counting 20-mile-an-hour wind. They both took third in South Africa and on the way to Perth, Australia now. That hey, is insane. I was thinking AA was Alcoholics Anonymous. But I knew you would. <laughs> I guess that's Antarctica, huh? Uh, that'd be my guess, uh, yes. So, um, And before she asks, I want to make sure Linda knows the beverage of the night. Beverage of the night comes from the second largest brewery in St. Louis after Anheuser-Busch. It is Schlafly Brewery, and what? this is Schlafly. Yeah. S-C-H-L-A-F-L-Y, Schlafly Brewery, and uh, this is their pale ale. And I, I've... Uh, a big fan of this particular beer. Uh, let's see what it says around the neck here. Ah, Schlafly Pale Ale is smooth, balanced, and copper-colored with a mildly spicy flavor and aroma from the English hops, malt, and yeast. This English-type session ale is a Schlafly tradition available year-round. Where is it's that for, from? Uh, Schlafly. Yeah, Schlafly. where? St. Louis. Oh. Don't they have an accent that you could do? Do they have an accent that I could yeah, do? Yeah, look at it. Ah, Come on down to get Schlafly. Get a pale ale. I I speak like everybody else from this area, sir. How dare you? We don't have an accent. Go 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 go. That was that was the beer hitting the neck. I, I apologize. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey. Hey what? It's signing day. It's signing day. 
It's signing day. It sure is. And if we were a more prepared show, we'd have everybody uh, ready to go and discuss all the uh, all the good things that are going. John, why don't you tell the good people about signing day today? <laughs> While my dog click clacks behind you know what? me. Here. You know what? We have 39, 39 new players. Isn't that insane? That's a crazy. I mean, it really is. I think there were uh, seven transfers. There's more than seven. No, there's like 32 recruits and seven transfer portal people. That's uh, crazy. 33. No, about 10 portal transfer people. I, you know, that's amazing. I mean, that is huge number of people to bring into your organization. Not only that, but think about this for a minute. We have mm-hmm. approximately 40 new people on staff. Or 40, you know, not necessarily new staff positions, all of them, but 40 different people added to the staff. I mean, when you go through all of this, like general manager, ops, director of football relations, director of football ops, football admin assistant, senior director of foot, foot mm-hmm. player personnel and recruiting, director of scouting, associate director of player personnel. I mean, you know, director of graphic design. Maybe that guy was always there. Uh, but I, huge, huge number of people on this staff now and 39 new players. That is, uh, that's incredible. I mean, we could go through them, but uh, what did I bug you about before the show? I said, just the important ones. Yeah, and, and that, that was... That doesn't even include the walk-ons. That does not include walk-ons, just so everybody knows. It's it's <sighs> insane. It's uh, it, it makes for a lot of uh, on-the-fly, try to get the pictures up for the good people uh, to uh, enjoy and appreciate. And we have, Which, uh, oh my God, where was I going? See, I did it again. I looked off over here and I saw some names. Um, <clears throat> we have over 100 players on scholarship, which means that spring, now they, they have to get this down to 85 players on scholarship in August, right? By the time this, this fall camp starts. Now, what a lot of people are thinking is, well, they can just do a nil deal with an athlete and then they don't have to pay for a scholarship. Uh, would you take that? Would you take that, Greg? Would you take that if you were a scholarship player? Why not? No. What the hell? Okay. Sorry. And scholarships are kind of guaranteed in the Big Ten. Remember when the Big Ten did this, we want you to guarantee scholarships for four years? Yes. Okay, a nil deal can be canceled. How? When? That yeah, quick, pretty I'm much guessing. like that. I mean, I, let's. I, we haven't seen these contracts. We. I think the athletic might have had a contract example, but I mean, most employment contracts have a 30-day clause, cancellation clause, termination for both sides. Because, you know, if you have a guy that goes out and he gets arrested or he says stupid things that are you know, hate speech or racist or anti-Semitic, you're going to cancel that contract immediately. So this idea that we're just going to use nil to magically replace scholarships, uh, that's a no-go. That's not going to happen. No, I, but, and no, I don't, yeah, is is nil going to replace scholarships? No, but if it's a matter of, hey, you can, you know, come come to Lincoln, play football, Get get an education, and you can do it without nil money, 
and no scholarship or with nil money and no scholarship. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a no-brainer, John. And and I, I'm i not that bright, but that feels like a no-brainer. Wade Farr asked how many left. Uh, no, that's right now. We have over 100 players on scholarship right now. That doesn't count who's who's been in the transporter guard. Good God, transfer portal and already left. That's right now. So, uh, Linda Wilkins says, did you see Nick Saban's comments on Neil today? Uh, I don't. I didn't notice note them. If uh, I think I, he, he had said that he basically said uh, no to some guys that wanted Neil contracts, but he's Nick Saban. He can do that shit. Yeah. So. Uh, you know? And I'd heard this before, and I don't know if we addressed it here or not, um, but he received nil requests from two players. This is from Bleacher Report. Uh, new, nil requests from two players totaling $1.3 million. And he said, no. Yeah. Nope. I mean, he can do and, that. He's Nick Saban. Right. But I also heard, uh, oh, what was it in, was it Miami or Florida? Some high school kid was wanting $13 million in NIL. Yeah. Come or they on were going to give him $13 million and everything fell through. And he went till he ended up committing to Arizona State today, I believe. That, what is any. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Because I know there are, and, and I've said this for years across professional sports, there are some bloated contracts out there. But. Is any high school kid's football career before he's stepped foot on a college campus worth $13 million? Well, you know, if you're Florida and you want to win, I get, and you have $13 million laying around. That, that's I mean, there where. Are just people, there are people uh, that just have that kind of money. You know, years ago, I got basically fired from a customer site and told not to come back. Because I had facial hair. And the, <laughs> where I was working was a division of IDS that handled uh, investments for people who had over $250 million portfolios. I mean, uh, everybody that I was working around all had the stiffest starch shirts, gold cufflinks, was impeccably dressed. And they basically said, uh, you know, you're really good at IT, but you don't really belong here. And I went, oh, God, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really belong here. But, I mean, people did. There are a lot of people that just have that kind of money. They just poop wherever yep. they want to. Where, you know, it scratches. It itches here. I'll scratch it. Here's $13 million. Yeah. Uh, going back to, um, I believe it was the, the two trying to get $1.3 yeah. uh from Alabama. Linda had a good point. One of the two wanted uh, his uh, girlfriend to get into uh, and and she says George I have no reason to doubt her but I couldn't remember the exact school wanted to get her into law school and and have them pay for it I mean the the I'm going to say this diplomatically as, as diplomatic as I can the cojones on some of these kids you know <laughs> well you know if you don't ask you don't get you don't receive I guess you just uh, you know have a plan B in there for when you get told no or told go F yourselves. Uh, so, 
a lot of uh, this is this is bringing up a lot of uh, good NIL talk, which you know we'll we'll get to the commits and the and the signees. Um, I, I've busted my butt screenshotting uh, the the players. We're going to get to them. Don't worry. Uh, but Blaine had said a few moments ago, it's a business after all. Does Nebraska have a coordinators for NIL? I believe they had, I believe they do. Well, outside, I mean, you have outside all of these the, people. You have all these new staff. You know, these new staff people, a general manager, and all that kind of stuff. So you got to believe that uh, you know somebody is doing that job somewhere. I, again, I believe it. Obviously, separate from the NIL collaboratives, uh, you know, there's somebody that's in house who's helping coordinate. You know, to to use Blaine's word right there. Uh, you know. It, it, take care of all this is a lot think about this this is i feel like the nil coordinator for nebraska or any you know university they're almost an agent are they not they're they're handling deals and 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 everything else but they're not getting compensated like an agent yeah i don't this i mean this stuff has a long ways to go Sure. It really does. It, you know, I, I noticed some people are commenting that, uh, you know, the federal government needs to regulate this. I don't, you know, I don't know. If, okay. Right now, there's no regulation whatsoever on this stuff. The NCAA is trying to do this thing where they're going to use circumstantial evidence to, to you know, bring about uh, violations and, and, you know, penalties and stuff like that. But it's really just a completely toothless organization. They don't really, you know, Dual Tilson says the NCAA should step up and regulate nil. They, they can't. They can't enforce anything like that. They just can't. You know, they don't have the legal wherewithal to do that, as far as I know. I mean, they pretty much have been, put it this way, the lawsuits they have lost have pretty much killed their any level of enforcement they can do uh, completely. I mean, you know, maybe they could nail Towson for something, or Fordham. They sure as hell aren't going to nail the University of Alabama for anything. And the government, Cornhusker Corner says, be careful what you ask for when you say the words federal government. He's exactly right. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but our federal government, to me, does nothing right except pay its employees and collect taxes. That's not a left or right thing. I just, they don't do anything very well. And when it comes to regulating this, um, I don't, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. In, in 30 years, in 30 years of IT consulting, the absolute worst document I've ever had to read in my life was an 80-page document from the Department of Defense called How to Hunt and Handle Unclassified Data, which is germane to right now in the news. But it was so ambiguous that I had no idea how we were going to fulfill the requirements in it. And that's the kind of stuff you get from the government where you're trying to do follow the regulations a lot of times. They are so ambiguous you can't follow them. So the whole Neil deal, I think it's going to take four or five years at a minimum to straighten out or kind of settle down and figure out what's working and what isn't. And I, from, here, here's how I look at Neil. I look at it like kind of an art patron, Right. You don't look at a you don't look at an artist. Let's say whoever commissioned Michelangelo to do the Sistine Chapel didn't look at him and say, "If you don't get a hundred thousand visitors in here a year, I'm 
you know, you're going to starve. They just gave him the money and said, here, paint this giant thing that will live through history. You know what I mean? They just basically had the money and commissioned him to do work. Pope Julius II in 19, or I'm sorry, in 1508. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, Fred says, uh, Fred Fred bringing his usual uh, 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 charm and sense of humor and, and jokes, uh, says the NCAA is roughly the same as the NFL. They lead from behind. Kind of like our former HE. We do have, no, this is, this really is, and John, I'm going to head to the pinned messages. You pin any of them. Uh, okay. Thank you, Nate. Uh, pin any of them that... Uh, uh, come in, but uh, I, I put, posted this one up while you were uh, ranting, <laughs> but Chris May says, I don't know about you guys, but does this uh, nil stuff kind of remind you of the huge rookie contracts in the NFL prior to the rookie pay scales? It's yeah, not, it it, does. It, it, does. It's, it's not totally dissimilar, you know, because you're, you're guaranteeing money to, to a certain extent on the guarantee, I suppose, in NIL, because I, I guess they can always change their mind, or, or I don't know what these contracts look like, you know, but, but you're, you are, you're, you're paying, you, there's a transaction taking place for an individual who's untested at that level. Now, I, I've never played Division One football, I've never played in the NFL Shocker, I know. Uh, but I would imagine that even the highest level uh, and five-star uh, ability as a senior in high school, but you are, unless you're Bo Jackson, you are learning. And, and you have to play catch-up, redshirt year, freshman year, things like that. It's, it's very much the same. I, again, unless you're a top-tier talent level jumping from college to the pros. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It was, I mean, I, I I think it was Derrick Henry who said, you know, that even though he was playing at Alabama, the, the difference between, you know, and, and he was homering, you know, uh, uh, showing favoritism to the SEC, but he said even the difference from playing in the SEC to the NFL is, is night and day. You know, that's why we, the the joke was, you know, when, when Alabama was riding high and Jacksonville Jaguars were being the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's like, my gosh, I feel like Alabama could, could, you know, take on Jacksonville and beat them, but they couldn't, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's not, it's not feasible. So, uh, Chris, in a, a long way of answering your question, I'd say, yeah, it's it's yeah. very similar. <laughs> it is. Um, and then we've got this one from uh, uh, Fred. He says, I, I like uh, head coach Matt Rule's approach to NIL. Sell the players on us, Nebraska, versus uh, the NIL compared to what Dion's doing or like Texas A&M did. Uh, that's, good. that's a great point. You know, we're not, I, I, from what I can tell, not out there making it rain, you know, flashing uh, $100 bills, uh, sporting uh, whatever bag, Louis Vuitton and, and Lamborghinis. It was, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, echoing Fred here, I feel like Matt Rule and, and company are doing it the right way. And, and 
you and Todd addressed this this past week on, or you know, a couple nights ago, I should say, on uh, on uh, the Monday Night Therapy, is they're going grassroots. You know, they're they're going to, hitting up all the towns, as many towns as you can in Nebraska, getting a lay of the land. And we, I think, just in the two months that he's been here. I feel like Nebraska fans have a really good understanding why Matt Rule was so popular in Texas when he was the head coach of Baylor. Yeah, I, I, I'd say the whole Neil deal, it still comes down to, I did that uh, video about the 90s, the untold story, and I talked about Boyd Epley's speech, about how he got up in front of the players and said everybody has to commit to they want to be there. I mean, that's still the football program you have to have. You can't have just guys showing up because, oh, I'm getting paid. I don't think, you know, in in the NFL, yes, because they are professionals in the NFL. They're professional football players. This is profession for them. This is their career. In college, it's not. So you still have to have those guys with a mentality that I'm showing up and I'm doing these workouts because I want to be here. So, <clears throat> I mean, I guess that's how you build a steal a, a college football team. I think it's going to get hard. It's gotten a lot harder for the coaches that don't want to do that. At least the ones not named Nick Saban. <clears throat> All right. I'm sorry. Um, Linda has a comment uh, about one of the NIL collectives in uh, Kinsey Knuckles, uh, formerly of the volleyball uh, program, is working. And I guess her she's phrasing it as a question. I believe somebody in the, in the uh, comments already uh, confirmed, but is working for the 1890 Collective. Uh, so maybe that has some... She She's speculating that it has some agent functions as well. I don't know if that means she's working for them, like in the sports marketing type of how to become an agent. Or, or, you know, I, I don't know. I, well, I'm, yeah, I guess well I'm, I'm outside the 500-mile radius. Let's so. put it this way. Texas won a national title this last year in volleyball. How did they do it? Yeah. Money, they, they money, paid, money, money. They paid, basically paid Akana to go down there, and they paid Kayla McAfee to go down there. So if you want to win a national title in volleyball, I guess, you're going to have to be aware of what's going on. And the best way to do that is have a volleyball player be able to talk to the ones that are playing volleyball about why they would want to sign or come to Nebraska and be a representative of Nebraska. And by the way, here's what your contract can look like. I mean, all that makes sense. So Linda seems to have a good finger on the pulse of Husker Nation. I mean, you could have just said a regular... You didn't have to go bonkers. I, well, I, I, I'm trying to keep voice. my brain moving around here. In John, mold, if this... Otherwise, I just go... Uh. Well, while we're on it, uh, James had said... And I'm going to phrase it in a question. But does NIL uh, need to be capped? Yeah, how are they going to do that? Exactly. They, they don't do that in Major League Baseball. That's why yeah. it's such a shitty sport. Whoa. Pow! Whoa. That is inappropriate, no, I mean, sir. Does it need a salary cap? Yeah, it'd be nice, but again, there's there's no structure in any of this. And, like and I've said many times, NCAA did, did nothing for this. They laid this to the point they lost, and they went, oh, well, 
And then they blamed Mark Emmert as well they should because the guy was worthless. And they paid him a lot of money to take the blame for it, which was his job. And now here we are. And the question is, Joel Tilson asks, who will make rules for Neil? Nobody. Nobody will make rules for Neil. Not until the government, you know, probably steps into this. They are the, probably the only ones who can do any level of regulation. God help us. I, yeah, I, but the problem is, see, when you're a, I'm sure I try to, again, choose my words carefully because they're watching, John. Yeah. I don't want the government involved in my college football. <laughs> no, you don't. The government can't figure out the shit that they're supposed to figure out. <laughs> what makes them right. think that they can? What makes us think that? We, why should we put any faith in them? You know, being able to solve something that really doesn't pertain. Like, okay, so I do. I that, all right. This is extreme hyperbole, so I apologize. Do I want people in Washington? having control or, or any say over NIL, I want that about as much as I want our former head coach with the nuclear launch codes. That's kind of drastic. I, I just, uh, they don't matter. There, there, there's a hierarchy of priority, right? And, and college foot, not college, college student athlete, uh, compensation should not be decided by, People over there, they just shouldn't. It, it, there had there's there's already a governing body for college athletics, and if they can't figure out how to regulate this, then the governing body needs new leadership. Well, you know who they should turn all this over to? John Johnston. No, well, John Justin, regulator. I mean, if only if I get paid millions upon millions of dollars. Here, here's what it is. Turn, here, here. They should just turn all of college football over to the NFL. Oh, gosh, no, don't do that. Because the NFL runs a damn fine organization. They control every aspect of everything, and if you do anything wrong, you get fined. And you get thrown out, because they'll make something up to throw you out, unless you're an owner. I can see it now. <laughs> this is it. It's going to be a new song. It's going to sweep the nation. It's going to be by John Jay. That's you. And it's going to be called On Call Regulators. Mount up! Uh, I, 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 had to, I had to, you know, chew a lot of leather to get there, but I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Mini uh, on YouTube says, in one of Rule's interviews, he said it was important for all the players, even the walk-ons, to receive some NIL. And uh, I, I that's great. You know, it, and somebody in the somebody else in the comments, I couldn't tag it, uh, but they said, you know, walk-ons getting NIL is, is how, you know, you get walk-ons on, you know, because again, we're not. All right, everybody, I hope you're sitting down. Oh my God, this isn't should the I Nebraska of the water. Yeah, you should probably get some wine. No, uh, I just want to remind everybody, this is not. <laughs> That's a good one, Roger. The song will be called Where's My Damn Fullback. Uh, this is not Nebraska of the 90s. All right, so people are... Matt Rule's doing it. We've seen two months. He's done a terrific job of recruiting, of selling the program, selling the state, selling Lincoln, selling himself uh, to 
you know, these young men who are, are coming to Nebraska. But, like, unless you've got that desire to just wear the N, you're, you're like, you're not, it, it's not the, it's not there, you know, like, you've got to be a kid from Broken Bow or something who's, I want to, you know, I, 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 grew up watching Nebraska and I, I want to do it for pride for my state, for my hometown. You know, I want to run out of that tunnel. So give everybody a shot, you know, let, let everybody have, have a, a, a piece of the pie, I guess. And, and I say that, however, I, Joel, I divide NIL equally among players. That sounds dangerously like Todd's favorite form of government. <laughs> and he's not here to to laugh at that comment but if you know what we've called todd for years now on, on these various programs you'll know you'll know um but anyway no i that's not the answer i mean i i don't think correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think that's the answer john i don't think it is either i think we're just you know honestly screen? i think i think that nil i think that the the numbers we hear about nil, I think they're vastly overinflated across the board. And and then we tend to pick up outliers like, oh my God, this guy you know turned down a thirteen million dollar uh, nil contract from Florida. And then we tend to think that we tend to think, oh, that that must be what everybody's getting. And it really, it kind of isn't. I mean, I don't know. It's here, you know. I it's not going to go away. There's probably no. nothing is going to make this go away. So it's just one more thing in college football. When and, and so here, here's the college kids get have been getting paid to play athletics for a long time. It's just now it's legal, which also means that if you were to put a salary cap on it or something like that, if you were, if you were to th- this is where I, this is slip, slippery slope. But if you were to kind of regulate it in, in any way, then you're going to still have like the secret deals, you know, like it, it's transparency. I think in this situation is kind of, the, kind of the best, which have it all out there, you know, that way somebody's not, you know, running around with a McDonald's bag full of hundred dollar bills. Uh, Vince asked this question a while back and we were talking about, uh, you know, the, the big 10 kind of legacy scholarship approach. And he said, are, are scholarships year to year or are they for all four four ish years, I believe it's for like you you sign you you do the paperwork and and it's more signatures than just signing your your letter of intent and and, and faxing it in or, or emailing it in or whatever today. But uh, that's kind of your commitment to be there for the duration of your collegiate career, and then obviously there's paperwork to undo that so that you can enter a transfer portal. You can. Go somewhere else. Correct me if I'm wrong, John. You you I are smarter than you me. You know, I don't. I want to say that the schools are not legally obligated to provide a scholarship for four years. Okay. It is emphasized in the Big Ten as a conference that that's what they want the schools to do, but I don't think there's any like. I honestly, I don't think your Big Ten conference could tell you you are going to give scholarships for four years. But you know it is generally frowned upon that they do not. Can I can I read y'all something? Can I read something, Greg? I don't know, John. Can you? Yeah, I've been doing <laughs> I've been doing some research for another video, and I want to I want to read you all something from uh, 1894. 
This is from 1894, okay? Uh, this is talking about a, a game between Harvard and Yale in 1894. Uh, the big game, there's the begin. The big game had become big business for both of the schools. In 1893, Harvard spent $18,754 on football, including $3,266 for transportation, 1877 on summer practice, and 34, about 3,500 bucks for training table. Their custom tailored leather uniforms cost $125 a piece. Ooh. Okay. That's, that is the money they're talking about being involved in football in 1894. A custom tailored leather uniform, $125 a piece. Do you have any idea how much you'd pay for a suit in 1894? Well, hold on now, Governor. Um, hundred. What was it, 125 125 bucks for their custom tailored uniforms. That so, yeah. <clears throat> I'm on usinflationcalculator.com, which only goes back to 1913. But $125 in 1913 would equate uh, numbers. Newest numbers are not up yet, I don't believe, for 2023. Uh, but $3,695.14. Yeah. For so so yeah. This particular chapter in this in going on about the 1894, uh, I think it's Yale and Harvard, uh, talks about how much money was involved in the game, how much the right. athletic departments were making, how much the ticket, you know, the gate was making, because this had already become a huge business in 1894. And this, that, keep in mind, 1894 is Nebraska's fourth year of football. And they're also talking about how, you know, a lot of these teams were paying people to just come in and and... They weren't students. They were just guys playing football that were ringers. Yeah. So this this problem with money and this whole thing where you know a lot of money being thrown around and stuff has been with this game since in its inception, and it really hasn't. You know, you can throw the NCAA in there. I think uh, who is it? Joel keeps bringing up the SMU death penalty. Uh, this nil is just one more change or one more thing in the college football that's. You know, going to be a change for us going forward. Right. I don't think it ruins the sport. I think it makes it more equitable for athletes. But uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens from here on out. Is there, and maybe, because nil all, nil money all comes from outside, right? Like, it, at at what point is there ever a point where? the like the TV deals you know the media rights deals where that money trickles down to the student athlete or or is that well keep in mind know, wasn't our deal with uh, it wasn't Adidas one of the deals they signed with a media outlet or some or somebody had a percentage of that deal going back into nil so oh good you know I like all right I, well like I said, it's just it's just a change. You know, you well, can make of it. It can bother you or not bother you. I mean, we've gone through the, you know, we had the implementation of the BCS, and everybody said this is going to ruin the sport. And then we had the fourteen playoff. Now we're going to have the twelve team playoff, and you know, two years after that, we're going to have the sixteen, and then the thirty-two wild card teams, and whatever <laughs> the hell. They yeah, they're going to. It's just change, yeah. I guess. Uh, I I can't see it going much more than 
12 or 16 because you start getting you can't you can't do it it's not basketball you can't play every other day you know and and they don't want to be playing into march like <laughs> college basketball will not allow college football to play into march <laughs> so uh, i don't right. know greg you know life is like a lot more miserable without football so maybe they will they'll just have like two teams two leagues they have beach volleyball separate from regular volleyball. They could have it's like, true. they could have like a different vol- football. Then we're getting way off track. We even we had forty minutes and we haven't even started talking about signing day recruits. All right, let's let's knock out a few of these questions. Uh, rapid fire. Vince said uh, a few minutes ago, do the scholarships from the former regime need to be honored if the player does not want to leave of his own accord? Uh, typically, what happens is. Here's what happens in transition. Number one, a kid decides he's going to leave. Okay, he's going to leave and go to another school. It's not your problem. You know, I, that Logan Smothers has stayed this long is pretty amazing. Okay? That's true. A kid, a kid still wants to play football for you, but you look at the he's got a scholarship. You are the coach, and you look at him and you go, you know what? You're never going to see the field. And honestly, there's eight guys ahead of you at your position. Uh, we're not going to give you a scholarship, but we can fulfill our obligation to you with an academic scholarship. I believe that is true because in the first year of a new coach coming on. So, uh, you know, it's like that other guy that we fired when he got hired. There were guys that didn't play, and, you know, some of them got scholarships to continue their academics at Nebraska. So that's, uh, I don't think, I think the key here is to not just dump people out. You know, I think that there are some universities do, that do that when you go out and talk to players, you know, who played at other schools. But I think the, uni- the University of Nebraska, is, they try to do the right thing. I think our athletic department is very well run in that regard. You know, they may screw a lot of other things up, but in that regard, in, in terms of taking care of people, I think they do uh, a pretty good job relative to everybody else in football. I agree, and I think that type of approach is, is spreading. Um, I, I There was a player for Nebraska a few years back, and I don't remember exactly the year, and I don't remember exactly the player, but he had a career-ending injury. Might have been a tight end. I, I don't know. Um, but he had a career-ending injury, and like Nebraska didn't have to, but they said, yeah, he, he can absolutely stay here, finish out his degree. That's our commitment to him. Uh, and that is, you know, you know, that was, you hear more of those stories. I like those stories because let's face it, all these universities can afford to do that. They can afford to get, you know, a, a couple extra kids through, uh, get them an education. Um, Especially if you're in the big 10 for God's sakes, the media right. coming in is ridiculous. All right. So Fred says, uh, we, we got talking about the difference between Nebraska and Colorado's nil approach, et cetera. And, and Fred says, I bet Dion's gone from Colorado in three years. I don't disagree. I, three years may be long. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, that's kind of a, a rapid-fire one. John, any any want to weigh in on Dion's time frame? No. In, okay. No. Moving on. Uh, and then uh, Fred also says, if I, Fred's anti-socialism too, but it says, if I'm a star quarterback, a Heisman candidate, sorry, I don't want to have my nil money cut and be the same as the punter. Nobody yeah, would. I would. You know, if I was an 18-year-old kid, I wouldn't either. And, and to that, I would almost say, you know, kind of the uh, – Haas always used to say, you know, when a team's 
getting their asses handed to him and the scores being run is like hey if you don't want that to happen then stop them you know it's on you to stop them it would be you know in this case it'd be on the punter to improve his skill set and uh, uh his demand and again we're in a capitalistic society so uh like it or not i suppose all right uh i saw this Cornhusker Corner has his tickets to the game of the year. It's the one guaranteed game that Nebraska wins. Haha. I'll go ahead and say it. Um, and he says, see y'all April 22nd. I hope to get there. I hope fact, you get there too, John. In fact, that's, I text Todd. You texted Todd? I am texting Todd right now because otherwise I'll forget because that's what I do. This, I have so many this is the greatest, the best time of all times is to text him at 9.15 when we're in the middle of a live show. Yeah. Uh, get me a spring game ticket, you son of a bitch. Yeah. See that Are emphasis you? there? I like it. <laughs> all right, John, should we talk about some of these uh, yeah. some of these players? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So, with the help of screenshotting, here are some of the players who signed today in no particular order. We've got Ishmael Smith Flores, a 6'4 tight end from Crowley, Texas. Played Y'all for uh, Bob Wager at uh, Martin High School. I think I'm going to take your guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is great because I can see the comments and I, I can't see us, so perfect. <laughs> uh, we've got Jacob Hood. The uh, uh, He's from Nashville uh, by way of Georgia. Uh, he's the offensive tackle, or I should say the offensive lineman, 6'8", 345, coming in from a national champion Georgia, one of the corn dogs. Should be an instant contributor at the most needed position on the entire team. We have... Eric Gilbert, 6'6", tight end, 260 pounds from Marietta, Georgia, by way of national champion George Bulldogs. He's a corn dog. Another guy that huge potential, huge upside, uh, comes in with some baggage. But, uh, I mean, if the guy, you know, fits into the team and fits into the environment, I mean, he could be... You know what? He could be enormous for us this year, right, right out of the gates, because he has... Two things. He has experience at the Division One level, and he has production that he's proven himself in the past. We have M.J. Sherman, 6'3", 250-pound linebacker from Baltimore, Maryland, by way of the Georgia Bulldogs. He's a corn dog. Another guy that could be an instant contributor. I mean, you know, at Georgia, so he knows what the work is to to be highly successful. Uh, I don't know. We're going to see this. This is exciting. I mean, 39 new players. My God. Um, I I just want to uh, send a shout out to Joel's comment here. Nice posters. I uh, did a great job copying them directly from Husker FB Nation on Twitter. So all credit to that. Um, Yeah, all credit to that. All right, back to him. I think I've I've ran the gamut on the corn dogs. Uh, so we've got, whoop, almost. How about Demetrius Bell 
from Nashville, Tennessee. He's a 6185 pound wide receiver. Yeah, guy, I, some of the he's a recruit, so he's not a transfer. He's coming in new. Right. Uh, is, That's I why think I said he's one of the guys. It's going to be interesting how Matt Rule uses his receivers. I think we've seen that he wants burners. So one of these guys is going to end up replacing Troy Trey Palmer's, you know, the kind of guy that just moves down the field and sure. scores long 75-yard touchdowns, and we all go, yeah, take that, you sons of bitches. That, maybe that maybe that be the guy. Maybe that will be the guy. Yeah, what we call we we call that what uh, stretching the field. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Over All the right. top. Over the top. Over the top. Then we have six foot, hundred seventy five pound defensive back from Aurora, Colorado, DeAndre Barnes. This is the guy. Uh, apparently, I saw something about this that Matt Rule was just. I happened to be driving by a high school in Colorado and asked the coach here. It stopped and asked if he could see the football coach. And the football coach said, hey, I've got a guy here that's been overlooked. And that's him. Now, I am not 100%. I didn't verify that or anything. But uh, this was the guy that was kind of like the last signee. or The, uh, the one guy that I don't think anybody knew about ahead of time. So uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Did you like that, John? We're making the show fun. I'm getting dizzy. Okay. All right. From Arlington, Texas, he's a six foot, 165 pound wide receiver, Jeremiah Charles. You do that really well. Thanks. Uh, another guy that played for Bob Wager at uh, in Arlington. So there you go, Texas guy. From Arlington, Texas, a five ten, hundred eighty five pound. Running back, walk-on, Gage Wager. I think, yeah, he is a walk-on. Uh, son of Bob Wager, new tight ends coach. I think he's the tight ends coach. Yes, he's the tight ends coach. I like how you said that. have to learn all these new names and the new positions. It's going to be tough. And there's 48 of them. And yeah. it's <laughs> growing exponentially every week. And now, I say this, I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm going to go ahead and say... Last but certainly not least, from Omaha, Nebraska, the hometown boy, six foot, one hundred eighty-five pound defensive back, walk-on Mason Jones. You know, we usually get a uh, email from the university about uh, listing all the players and listing the walk-ons, and I haven't seen that for a while. Sorry, it's all I my fault. That in past years, I don't think we got one. Should I check that right now while we're live? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, okay. I, I was trying to find it. Here we go. Roger Moore says that we need the posters when Todd comes back because they cover up faces, I'm guessing. Wow. Holy jeez Louise. Tough crowd. Right. No, because uh, I, I, I remember that Todd was taking a little crap this past uh, Monday night. Roger, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's why, right, to, to cover up faces for the posters? You can go ahead and answer on your time, Roger. We're, we've we've got all night. Uh, <laughs> AJ Racing ninety says, "Wow, you know, I listen. I listen to the show, and I I, I don't watch it. I, unfortunately, I don't watch it, but I I listen to it. So I listened to it yesterday, and I know, I know that. Yep, yeah, Roger says <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, I do pay attention. 
Uh, all right, here we got a, a nice long one from Cornhusker Corner. Uh, y'all would be surprised how many diamonds in the rougher in Texas. I played at a 4A private school in Houston. We have a number of people who never played but were elite athletes. Texas is talented. I think I, I'm going to agree with you 100% right there, uh, Cornhusker Corner, but I think that's why Matt Rule is trying to rebuild that relationship because when Nebraska switched conferences, at least this has always been the narrative, right? Like when, when Nebraska jumped from the Big 12 to the Big 10, they lost Texas as, as a recruiting ground. But with, like, let, let's face it, with nationwide, like Big Ten Network is nationwide. Their uh, affiliation with Fox is nationwide. So it's not like, oh my gosh, if, if you know, they, I, if it goes to Nebraska, we're never going to see him play. Bullshit. No, I live in Illinois, and I can see, you know, Grant, Illinois is a Big Ten state. I get that. But I can watch a lot of college football. I can watch a lot of Pac-12 football if I want to stay up late, not sleep, and watch shit football. Um, but I – no. I Matt, I think what happened was coaches got lazy, and they didn't want to mend fences in Texas. Matt Rule already had – good relationship from his time at Baylor. He's just, he's just any, look, I hope all these kids, you know, come out, they're all, you know, college football hall of famers or you're, you know, whatever. I understand that's probably not going to happen when you get them late in, in the cycle and, and a new coach, but like, it's just exciting to, you know, be, be here in some of these towns again. Cause we haven't, we haven't talked much about that pipeline, you know, no pun intended. By the way, pipeline jerky. Anyway, um, we haven't had much of those Texas recruits in years, and so Cornhusker Corner. I think you're absolutely right. It it's uh, it hasn't it hasn't been a tapped source in years, and and I'm excited to see what happens with all these uh, players who are coming up to Nebraska. Ugh, sorry. You're okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Do you have more of the recruits? No. What Did I miss any? Oh, my God, that's 39 of them, man. There's like 30. Well, I just got the ones. I, no, I just got the ones from today. Oh, okay. All right. You jackass? My ja- I'm a jackass. <laughs> we, we, remember remember okay. a couple months ago we had a kilo on and, and we, we talked about the oh, early yeah, signers? Well, uh, now we have everybody together in a big happy family. Who do you think is going to be the biggest? Who's going to contribute, Greg, out of these thirty-nine pe- people? Who do you think is going to recruit or going to be the guys that are going to? We're going to go. Oh my God, that guy! When we start playing football this fall, this fall, yeah, this you're going to be talking about like uh, the the guys who are coming up from. If I'm being honest, you're going to talk about the guys who are coming up from Georgia. Uh, right, because they they don't. Oh, I shoot it! Shit, shit, shit! I did miss one. Um, I, I don't think I'm gonna worry about it. But I we forgot Sua Lafotu. Yeah. The six uh, four three hundred pound defensive lineman from Bellflower, California. I'm so sorry, uh, Sua. If you're if you're watching or listening to this, I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, I literally was doing this as the intro was running uh, at the beginning of the show. Um, you're gonna talk. You're gonna talk about. Uh, guys who are going to make an impact are the guys who already have yeah. Division One Power Five experience, and uh, so it, it's going to be those corn dogs. 
what what about Ben Scott, the center from Arizona State? What about uh, what about Jeff Sims, quarterback from Georgia Tech? Huh? What about Josh Fleeks, uh, the guy, the wide receiver from Baylor? Marco, I'll tell you who's going to make the biggest impact the quickest. It's going to be Marco Ortiz, long snapper. <laughs> I was going to say the kicker uh, from Westside, probably. Justin <laughs> uh, uh, Al- Alvano. Wasn't he from Westside? Did I get that right? Yes. I hate to be. Tristan Alvano, yeah. kicker. Uh, I, 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 is that who you're picking? You're picking the corn dog guys to the big, the biggest right out of the gates. I was going to say I, that Owen Walker, I think, has it right. Uh, I keep wanting to say Malaki. <laughs> yeah, you'd be very <laughs> I need wrong. To get on that this one. out of me. Malachi Coleman, I think, is. I, I think people are going to be. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. I, I like this quote by uh, – I, I don't disagree. Um, I like this quote by Fred. He says that California defensive line recruit, uh, again, we'll assume he's talking about Sua Lafotu, the 6'5", 295-pound uh, uh, lineman, uh, is, is the proverbial, quote, rolling bowling ball of butcher knives, the end quote that Charlie McBride always talked about. That is a great line, and it's a great quote from a great coach. Thank you, Fred, uh, for that one. We have the, uh, you know, we have uh, Chief Border, the edge rusher from Florida. We have Corey Collier from Florida, the safety. Uh, and then we have, That's I think, the, the other. Go ahead. I was just because it's, it, like, I gave not quite half the list. You know, like, I can't keep them all straight. I didn't have the whole thing. John, I don't know if you know this or not. I, I flunked out of radio. Part of it was due to lack of preparation. What? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Billy Kemp. Billy Kemp, the transfer, the wide receiver transfer from Virginia. Uh, I There is so many guys here. Uh, you know, I know that one of the popular videos that I could probably do on YouTube is 10 guys that'll, rec- that'll contribute the fastest because you do that article every year. Uh, but who do I really think? If I had to pick like three guys, three guys that I would say start out at Minnesota, right here in Minnesota against the Gophers, and start making plays the quickest, I am, and make the impact the fastest, I'm going to say Malachi Coleman. Because he just seems like a freak job to me. Uh, Jacob, Can I ask Hood, a, uh... Jacob Hood, the guy at offensive tackle. And I'm going to go with uh, Eric Gilbert, the tight end. Okay. And not not the quarterback. The quarterback is an easy pick because you always look at quarterbacks and they're always, you know, the quarterback. He gets all the girls, gets all the attention. I think that Casey Thompson will be our day one starter because uh, Casey Thompson, I think, has a really good head on his shoulders. I think Mm -hmm. I know he will miss spring. (laughs) 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 But I I think he's a he's going to fit. I think he's he's going to be a really good quarterback this fall. I, you know, I think we have certainly plenty of options. Uh, All right. I I think when you list look at this list of players, it's it's hard to not start drinking the Kool Aid right now, which I'm, will lead I'm, to I'm overdoses. Drinking. Lead to overdoses. Yeah, look, well, when has too much Kool Aid ever been a bad thing? It, it, but, <laughs> All right, I got to address this. God bless you, Joel. Uh, we get this question about every other week. Will the Huskers ever have a hockey team? 
They already have one. It's a club team. They pray at the was it the Breslow Center, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I encourage everybody to go out, check them out, show them your support. As far as a varsity hockey team, I'm gonna say no. And and that's tough because because it balances out really well. It does. It balances out really well for Title Nine because you can have a women's hockey team, women's hockey, like women's yeah. Olympic hockey is fire, dude. It, it's great. It's it's competitive. It's fun to watch. Uh, you're, you're, so you can have a you're gonna have a women's wrestling team before you have a women's hockey team. Well, yeah, but you all already have all of the um, everything you need for for women's wrestling, you know. I don't know where I was going. All right, no, I don't. I don't see that one happening, Joel. I'm sorry. Makes it breaks my heart too. You know the the uh, one guy we didn't talk about uh, this entire class is Dwight Boodle. Yes. Portland well, we talked about him of, went on with, on the other signing day. Halo. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good good. It's it's a interesting and a fun group. I you know, I was thinking today. Oh my God! Are you frozen like that? I was thinking today that is it is so many months until football season. And then I was Not sad. that many, John. <laughs> so today, I don't know if you know this. You know what today is? February first. Yeah. That means we're six. Don't count the days. I can't count days. I was just gonna count months. Six months away. I'm going to take this question. Okay. Roger Moore says, is there a Fortnite team? Is there? Roger. Yeah. Interesting enough, interestingly enough, you can go on YouTube and you can listen to an interview with Amon Green, who is leading up esports at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And there's a 30-minute interview with him talking about how they have their own locker rooms and they have their own varsities and they have their own uh, teams that they compete with. I think that's very interesting. Uh, I'm not a – okay, let's be honest. I suck at Fortnite. I, you know, I, it's just – it's the speed. You know, the, the whole being able to shoot somebody with a sniper rifle – in those games is completely beyond my skills. But I, I do enjoy video games. I think if people listen to me enough, they know that. But Amon Green talking about how he's involved with all of that, I thought it was very interesting. And I thought uh, I thought I wanted to know more about it. I thought maybe I could ask for an interview with Amon Green, but then I thought nobody cares about it, so I, not, I didn't really pursue it. There probably is a Fortnite team. What's the other game, Valorant? I have never played that. Valorant, I think, is a huge game that they play. League of Legends uh, is another one where they, they talk about strategies. They have game plans going into things. And you have to because some of those games are so complex that it's amazing. Okay. I'm on green, by the way. Mm-hmm. Nebraska running back, NFL running back, actor. He was actually in a deleted scene in 2016's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. I didn't know that. Or I didn't read that. He was. He was, uh, his role was inmate thug. (laughs) 
but he's in there. It's in his IMDb credits. And when that came out, I wanted, so I have another podcast uh, for all of you who don't know. Uh, I have another podcast that's strictly like pop culture nerd stuff uh, because that's my other interest. It's like Cornhuskers being a big, huge nerd. Um, and when I found that out, I was like, man, I can marry, I can wed two of my real passions and have a, a conversation with Amon Green, and he never responded to me. So apparently you're not supposed to reach out to strangers uh, on Twitter by sliding into their DMs and asking for an interview. I, I know that now. I didn't know that then. Um, all right, yeah, let's get got... to – go ahead, John. I did that a lot during the pandemic. Well, yeah. You know. <laughs> all right. Uh, Joel asked this. I know you guys addressed it a little bit Monday night. Uh, Frost being considered for offensive coordinator at Bama. I've also heard possibly Miami. There's no real I, I, chance. I, I, Joel, where did you hear that? Could you respond in the comments? Just tell me where you heard this. My, my uh, thing is, I feel like... Again, I'm using the word. I've used the word diplomatically 18 times today. I'm gonna try to be diplomatic about this. Scott Frost is poison right now. Mm-hmm. I, you, you've got to let the heat simmer. Um, you've got to let you, you, you just got to let the heat dissipate before you try bringing him on. Yeah, I just I don't think he's I. There's, I don't see any interest in why anybody would be interested in him, honestly. I just His offense was not anything that anybody would be excited about. I mean, he had some play designs that were interesting, but as a coordinator, no. So, but suddenly you're getting all these pop culture questions. Yeah, I'm sorry. Do we have anything? We, can, else we, we have a long we have a long oh. off season. I you know what I did. Uh, I asked Kalo to write an article about where our recruiting class fits into the Big Ten and everything, and I think he was going to do that. And uh, I you know go through some of the recruits and tell explain where he thinks they're fit. I did see. I think it was Jeremy Purnell at Sports Illustrated did a, a ranking of his classes or where he thought everybody fit. Yeah, Nebraska's in 25th. I think we're... Okay, you got Ohio State, Michigan. Penn State was ahead of Michigan. So Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. And then you think Michigan State was at 24 and we were at 25th. So, I mean, that makes us the top recruiting class in the Big Ten West. In your first year as a coach, that's pretty good considering we were at 60 when he came in. So I would call this whole... Uh, rec- first recruiting round by Matt Rule and staff, but just a, I guess an A plus in a way. You, you bonafide know, success, really bonafide success. Getting guys and getting, uh, you know, we'll see what happens come fall. But it's it's way it's been way more interesting than I imagined it could be. Had this question a little bit ago from Cornhusker Corner in regards to who could be that, you know, new. New edition impact player in Cornhusker Corner says Malachi uh, could be an instant impact. Betts could be a game changer. Add Gilbert and Fedone at tight end. Grant and Allen at running back and either Casey or Sims. Sounds pretty damn good. Not going to lie. And he says, as we all do, I do this every year. 
that's uh, some mighty fine, mighty fine Kool Aid, and that's fine. I- I'll I'll drink that Kool Aid. James right. Marshall says Frost had decent offenses. No, he didn't. He did not. Why do you think that? <laughs> Thanks for the comment. We're going to shit all over it. That is kind of, you know what? I'm going to look this up right now. We're going to look at, we're going to go back uh, 2021. And we're going to see you do that. where Nebraska Nebraska was 71st in, in total offense. They scored 27.9 points a game. And that was a huge problem. If you guys remember the podcast all during that time, is that we just didn't score. You remember all the red zone problems we had? We'd, get, we'd move up and down the field, generate a lot of yards, and then we couldn't score in the red zone. So I, I, I love you, James, but I, no, I was, don't think so. Was that the best 3 and 9? Team of all time year, right? Twenty twenty one. Man, I tell you what, we 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 score half of those uh, times, half of those red zone trips that that we missed out on. And buddy, we might have been six and six. Two thousand nineteen, we were seventy second total offense at scoring twenty eight points a game. And I, I mean, if we go to if we go to score, poor James, <laughs> if we go to scoring offense, which is really, I honestly, if you're going to look, James says <laughs> I was looking for something good to say about Frost. You know, that's I, that's admirable. It is. I, you know, I think we that he had that, he had interesting concepts and interesting plays designs. He just didn't put string things together, which I think is weird. Whoop. Uh, given that he did some really exciting things in the, uh, you know, with the options and with uh, different looks like that. I, uh, While you are, it, are just didn't, it didn't work out. Were you going to look at other of his offensive rankings? I was going to. Um, no. Okay. Joel says Huskers will be ranked next season. See and this, I don't this, disagree. This, see this? See this? See this? No. See, See what? This is what happens. You just start drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to be ODing by July, and nobody will hear from me again in August. That was very expressive. <laughs> when you go back and you look at the film, when you when you do film study on this, this uh, episode, I want you to jump to about the minute 10 or the hour 10 mark because you'll, you'll – you'll, folks – I have seen a lot of things. That was a first. <laughs> um, all right. We got a couple other uh, pinned ones here, and then we're going to try to wrap things up. Um, all right. James said, long time ago, James, I hope you're still here. Uh, he's laughing that I was keeping Brian Ferentz. Oh, that was the tweet I was going to put up for a graphic today. Uh, yeah, uh, Scott Docterman from The Athletic, the Iowa guy who covers uh, Iowa for The Athletic, uh, posted the tweet Brian of Kurt Corrent saying, I anticipate making no changes, no coaching changes this season. This season, you're kind of like, okay, I mean, you know. You, you, it's like you have the opportunity. Go home that night and see what happens. I just... It's just that whole thing has just uh, got to be so frustrating for Iowa fans, and they know that it isn't going to change. You know, I mean, it's and, not and, going to change in the foreseeable future. 
I so, I guess my, my, my curiosity is, yes, they won seven of the last eight games, correct? Uh, Iowa and Nebraska, like, Iowa won seven in a row, right? My, my number's I mean, pretty they, accurate yeah, there? They, they won some games. Okay, so... But they're in a in a state of, they, like they've plateaued, you know. Like they have a few years where they they win a few more games or or you know they lose a few more games. But they're here, and like I know the fans are frustrated, uh, but like the administration, Gary Bard in particular, is fine with them being here. Like he doesn't want to get rid of his buddy. He he can't get rid of his buddy's son. So they're never gonna change. Right. Until Kirk Ferenc, uh, Ferenc, Ferenc, and, and I don't mean this like retires or dies, whichever one comes first. I don't mean that to be hateful, but they're not going to change. Whereas Nebraska, you can say, yeah, we've been here, but we just got rid of the golden boy, you know, the national champion winning quarterback, the favorite son, because this is not good. We don't want to be here. We don't want to be here. I'm going to adjust my plateaus. This is where we want to be, and so we're actually making changes. and And I think that just the fact that I was, they're clowning on us because we've been down, right? But we're not always going to be down. We're but they're always going to be here, and 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 yeah, they. What was the, you know, you see it in, in message boards or on Twitter or whatnot is congratulations, Iowa. It, it's it's the the Black Friday. It was the Black Friday you know, motto for years. It's great. You, you've beaten us in our worst stretch, but that's all that that's their claim to fame. That's that in the wave is all that Iowa has. They've beaten yeah. their rival, you know, when, when their rival has been crap and, and they wave to the children's hospital, which is great. Um, and that they're, they're happy with those two things as an administration, the fans obviously, yes, want more. And so I, I, part of me feels for the fan base. They're just never going to get what they want while either Gary Barta's in charge, Kirk Ferentz is head coach, and certainly while Brian Ferentz is offensive coordinator. So, all right. That was fun. I, that yeah, might you make. Add to, you add to that that, you know, the Big Ten West by itself is changing. I mean, Luke Fickle's a new coach coming in, and I think he's a pretty good coach, or he's had some good success. Uh, and then you have in the next couple of years, you've got USC and UCLA coming into the conference. So, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a tough wins. You know, it's going to be tough to play football in this conference, even tougher than it is now. And, and that, and you look at the Big Ten West, they've trended younger, but you've still got wrinkly old Kirk out there. You know, <laughs> like look, look at, even look at the California teams. Like Lincoln Riley's not old. Uh, Matt Rule's not old. P.J. Fleck, uh, Luke Fickle, uh, even Burt. Not terribly old. He's just fat as hell, uh, you know. So the the coach like they're they're changing things up. Kirk's just Kirk. Nothing's ever gonna change, and they'll they'll get six, seven, eight wins consistently, I guess, and 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 have a standout year. But they'll have a, a down year as well. And again, the administration is fine with that, but the fans are not. So uh, James, there was a James Marshall said something. He uh, did. What? <laughs> you put it up there. And I, <laughs> I clicked to take it off. All right. Uh, James says, "How has Iowa put together a solid recruiting class?" 
Well, I think when you look at Iowa football, number one, uh, who was probably the best-rated rookie center last year in the NFL is Tyler Lindenbaum, right? Yeah. But also, like, how Iowa, many rookie centers are there? Well, that's like, it was, true. It was him, him and Cam Jurgens. <laughs> uh, but I, and if, Iowa has done a good job of putting some players in the NFL positions, and they have an exceptional defensive coordinator. Uh, what was it? Phil Parker. And, you know, I mean, they're not terrible. That's the thing about them. They're not bad. Just their offense is stinky as hell. So they have the record of putting guys in the NFL. And quite frankly, that's where Nebraska needs to be in the next two, three years. You know what I mean? We need to show, especially if we're going to get offensive linemen to come to Nebraska, we need to show that we can take a player like Jacob Hood, who came here from Georgia, or a, a ben, Scott ben Scott that transferred uh, here from Arizona State. We can show that we can get those guys the skills to get into the NFL, and that will increase our offensive line recruiting over time. Well, here's the, here's the weird thing, though. Uh, there are Husker offensive linemen currently in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, like Fardiak. <laughs> you know, right. um, and 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 I think from a from a recruiting standpoint, you're going to have to show that more than like the Ben Scotts or the Jacob Hoods are going in because a lot of their success can be attributed to where they came from. You know, potentially, you're going to have to get you, 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 no pressure, Matt Rule, you know, Marcus Satterfield, <laughs> and, and Donovan Real. You're going to have to get Bryce Benhart in the NFL. Well, you're going to have you you're going to have I, to do that. I hope that Bryce Benhart turns his career at Nebraska around and becomes a solid offensive tackle for us. You know that would be nice because you know I personally have bitched about him by name so much that I would like to see it. I'd like to be wrong. That would so, bring me great joy. How is that different? What is it with the double Bs? You hate Bryce Benhart, <laughs> and I have a history of shitting on Brody Bell. I don't know. I don't know. But but when I do it, I'm a bad guy. When you do it, it's it's comical and everybody chuckles. That's because I do it with love, Greg. <laughs> I do it with love too. <laughs> All right, couple couple more quick ones. Uh, it's it's getting late and John uh, John's. I think we're both sundowning now. Uh, I don't have any water. <laughs> this one came from uh, uh, a little bit earlier. Roger Moore says, "Rule first game shirt or smock." I don't want to see the smock. I don't care if he wins. I don't really don't. If he wins, he can wear a freaking onesie. A Herbie Husker onesie. And uh, I will not give a shit. By the way, by the way, I had uh, a meeting with the bookstore people at the University of Minnesota this morning. I mean, since I published the video, everybody knows that I do work for the University of Minnesota. I don't work for them full time. I'm an IT consultant. But during our meeting with bookstores, which I do, uh, I help them with their IT, uh, they showed me, one of the guys showed me in one of their bookstores a onesie, a life-size onesie of a Goldie Gopher outfit. And I thought uh, I would wear that. Probably not if it's Goldie Gopher, but, uh, you know, give me a Herbie Husker onesie, and I, I that would be great. Why they, do we have that? Does that exist? Uh, I don't know. Because, I, honestly, I, I, when, I look at, when I look at Nebraska apparel and stuff that we can wear, I, most of the time it, it looks really standard and, quite frankly, kind of boring. 
Here's I, I found the perfect uh, yes, ensemble. Yes, walk outfit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that, that, that's that's what John wants Matt Rule showing up uh, game day. Rugged. That's a hey you you I show respect. This, yeah, I think they would have uh, an issue with the spear part of that. Uh, really, the spear? Is it the spear he's holding or the spear that's not covered? Come on now. Because he's not wearing pants, John. He's not wearing All right, moving on. All right. <laughs> it always seems like the end of the show. Anyway. Uh, all right. I think last one here. This was from way back in the show. Roger uh, asked. He told me to look out because Todd got renamed this past week. Uh, do I have to be on my best behavior? What do you, I'm confused by what you just said. Todd got renamed on, on Monday's show. Says. Greg, look out. Todd got... I think it's what it's supposed to say. Oh, reamed. Oh. Uh-oh. Never mind. Move oh, my on. God. I thought I was bad when I get tired. I just... No, I've, I've been looking at that for an just hour. Just drink some more alcohol, Greg. I'm empty, John. All right. <laughs> oh my God! You know you should have like two or three. I Vincent Watson. <laughs> Vince Watson says, "Little red onesie, John. I would wear it. I would. I know you would. I love little red. Do you though? Yeah. Okay. I think he's kind of cool and unique. At, at the end of the day, does it matter what Wait, Matt I, Rule's wearing as long as we're winning? No, it doesn't. I mean, as long as he's not breaking laws. Massagi. Massagi. Okay, i got to write that word down and go look it up. Uh, Josh says the Herbie Husker onesie is called bib coveralls. I, that's a good point. You know, some people can pull that off. I imagine that people, you know, if I put on bib, uh, bib uh, coveralls, I, I, people would probably look at me and think, uh, I was representing some uh, apocalyptic behavior or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then Josh says, uh, now we have to get hooked on phonics as a show sponsor instead of Bluetooth because I, I couldn't read. Will they pay us? I, at this point, I'll, I'll take I'll take money from anybody. Yeah. I'll take money from anybody. Well, yeah. That sounds bad. I apologize. I, I got to set some boundaries. <laughs> John? Yes? Is it go home time? Oh yeah, it probably is. All right. I think I think everything looks exciting. You know, bait. I uh, a couple of things I do want to say is I am setting up a hopefully a show with Patrick Ebert of D1 Baseball to review or preview the Big Ten baseball season. Uh, I haven't come up with a time for that yet because I want either Aaron or Todd to one of our baseball guys to do that with me. Um, what else was I going to say, Greg? I know now you're going to go. Okay, we're done. Yeah, but that. Oh wait, there's more. <laughs> okay. Get a hoodie. Get a hoodie. Get a hoodie. Can, can they can they click that link in the video? I don't think they can. I okay. I need to figure out about this. You know, that's the off season. I need to figure out how to do a better job. Of, marketing and things like that because uh i just I, okay we should go i'm clicking on clicking off i don't know what i'm doing anymore john hmm? you're you're a great guy oh well thank you i i, I spent today uh 
telling a lot of people how much I appreciate them. And uh, I want to do the same to you. Well, thank you. So I really do. I appreciate you. Uh, without you, none of us would be here because you formed Coordination uh, out of out of your own uh, mind 13 years ago, I believe. 17. 17. Okay. Well, I, I'm bad at Years are rolling by. <laughs> I, I came on board about uh, 10 years ago uh, in one capacity or another. But, and and uh, I'm very thankful for you for the opportunity to uh, continue. And, and I'm thankful for everybody who, who sits and spends their time. Like, look. I'm guessing that most of the people who are watching this live have families, <laughs> but the fact that they choose to spend their thir- or Wednesday or Thursday evenings with us and Mondays with you and Todd it means a lot. Uh, so thank you to everybody who's watching this. Thank you to everybody who's listening uh, to the podcast when that becomes available on Friday. Uh, we really do appreciate you. Uh, this is by far my favorite version of the five heart podcast and i've been doing this show for a lot of years so thanks to everybody uh thank you john uh, thanks to everybody at coronation all the great contributors we need to spend the off season getting more of those voices and faces on the show so uh for everybody at coronation for our founder and fearless leader that guy right there uh i'm greg Mahachko. this is the five heart podcast and show and we remind each and every week that five heart is all the heart you need John? Go Big Red! I couldn't have said it better myself. Wouldn't want to try. Yeah.